A white man? No! Hello and welcome to The Unsub is a White Man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we are back with another Criminal Minds recap. This for not the poison episode that I had hoped it would be. No, not the one I <laughs> hoped, but I I definitely, as soon as it started, remembered this one. Yes, yeah. As soon as we got uh, a few seconds into the opening moment, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I kept wanting it to be, because they do a, a similar episode a little later on much better, I think. Yeah. So was, I kept wanting it to be This was their test run. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what a timely comment, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this originally aired January 18th, 2006. Yes. Uh, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't think that it was 2006, though, based on all the the lingo yeah. In here, the way they explain <laughs> things, but yes. apparently it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before we get started, though, I just want to thank all of our listeners because we just recently hit uh, 2,000 plays Which on our podcast. Which is insane. It is crazy, but super exciting. Yes. Thank you, everyone, so yeah. much for listening. We're glad you're having as much fun as we are. Yes. Um, I also should probably address a comment I made in our Blood Hungry episode about my favorite season of Buffy, mm. which apparently angered some listeners. Yes. Um, we can agree to disagree. I have promised that I will rewatch Buffy in its entirety to solidify my opinion about <laughs> that particular season. I shouldn't say the best season of Buffy. I should say my favorite, right? Those are different qualifiers. I think so. But Yeah. I mean, this is one of my favorite shows, but it certainly is not the best right. show. <laughs> Um, but speaking of great shows, um, you have to watch Squid Game. <laughs> I know. The it's internet so keeps good. telling me to. Yes. I don't know why I'm being so standoffish about it. Yeah. You just need to block out like eight solid hours and Maybe then just watch why. all of them. Cause actually, no, you kind of can't. Is it like, too much? Yeah. Like once you watch, like, like we watched two episodes in a row one night and mm. then we're all like, Okay. Mm. That was enough. Like See, I need maybe, a break. I need a palate cleanser. Maybe that's I'm worried. I've been watching Midnight Mass mm. because I like all the Mike Flanagan stuff. Yeah. Um. And even that is like you watch one. You're like, see you tomorrow. Not yeah. going to watch any more tonight. I haven't started that one yet. I wasn't sure if I would get it because I don't know the Catholic stuff as much. Uh, yeah, not, I mean. Not that I wouldn't get it, but that it wouldn't resonate the same way as it would if you were Nate was for sure making fun of me in the early episodes because I was like singing the hymns along. <laughs> Flashback to my upbringing. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. it's on my list. Nice. <laughs> uh, all right, we can jump into this one. All right. Um, this one starts out with a man, an old boy, and they're driving down a deserted road somewhere in New Jersey. Um, Very it, ominous I was cliche say, opening. You can just tell nothing good is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the man think, uh, says that the trees looked like the hooded figures from the movie, Yeah, um, which made me go look up when The Village came out. Oh. Because I wondered if that was... And it was shortly before this episode. Yeah, that would make sense. I was yeah. like, were they watching Birth of a Nation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was wondering if that was what they were referencing. That um, would make sense. I definitely have not 
seen that movie since I saw it in the theater, but I remember there being like scary hooded monsters or something. Sort of. I don't really remember. I don't. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that either. The only thing I remember about that movie is like 20 minutes into it, I realized the like the entire plot of it because it's just a ripoff of a book called Running Out of Time that I read when I was in like sixth grade. uh, Like the the entire plot. Yeah, it's not one of his best. No, for sure. I mean, star studded somehow. Yes. I loved the conversation between the dad and the son about the movies because the dad was like disgruntled because the son didn't really have anything to say. And this is legitimately the conversation Nate and I have after any movie we've ever seen in the movie theater (laughs) where I want to start talking about it right away. And he has no opinions because he says, quote unquote, it hasn't sunk in enough yet (laughs) for him to discuss it. And it is... Just as aggravating as his father feels. So I felt for him in this. Yeah. It's like talking to your kids after a day of school and you're like, how was it? And they're like, fine. What'd you do? Nothing. (laughs) Um, So then the dad swerves the car to avoid hitting a deer that the son doesn't seem to have seen at all. Um, He pulls off the road to check out what he believes is a flat tire. Everything's super creepy. Um, He pulls a tire iron out of the trunk and he keeps looking around him when he hears noises because they're just like out in this wooded area. There's no street lights or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, He tells his son to stay in the car and then he's attacked by a dark figure that appears to be made out of terrible CGI. Yeah, it's very hard. I was getting werewolf vibes almost at the beginning. And but I he has this like one they were red to eye. Yeah, yeah. It was very weird. It was weird. Um. So then he just beats the starts beating the creature with a tire iron. Mm-hmm. Um. So then the it's daylight and the cops pull up to investigate this seemingly abandoned car. Uh, the dad is inside the car and he starts screaming at the cop to get away. As soon as he approaches the window, the cop calls for backup and then he sees the little boy on the ground like really badly beaten. Yeah. Um, Going right for it, right in the beginning. Yeah, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we see the team watching a man who's maybe like a detective or a psychologist interrogate the father in um, like what looks like a psych ward or a prison ward of a hospital. Mm -hmm. The dad is freaking out. He maintains that he would never have hurt his son um, who's in the hospital unconscious with multiple broken bones. This man, as well as six others in the same area, we learn, were given a megadose of LSD, mm-hmm. and Gideon announces that they had to have been poisoned because it's not a dose you would ever just take yeah, on you your own. Yeah, you don't take that for fun. Um, um, I thought this was interesting, too, because it was a photo jump, but not directly to the BAU. Like, it was a photo jump to a video jump. Like, yeah. it jumped from the cop to the interrogation and at first you're just watching the interrogation and then it pulls back and actually they're watching the interrogation on a video. Yeah. Which was just, I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah. Um, what else I thought was interesting was like why the guy, like clearly he was dosed at some point before going to the movies. Yeah. So like, why didn't he start freaking out during the movie? Right. Why, Unless would, it, why is it such a latent dose of... L- yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't do hallucinogenics. I'm too afraid. Yeah. I, I Googled it mm, because I mm. don't either um, because, you know, it's not 1962. So yeah. I'm, no. I don't even know where you would get LSD. I'm but Lewis, uh, Google so. says between 20 to 90 minutes to kick in. 
And so yeah, I mean, definitely during the movie, you would yeah, and you would think that a huge dose would kick in faster, maybe. Although I, I don't, don't know, know if does it's it just like ramp up. I don't know. I don't know if it matter if it's like how fast your body metabolizes it or yeah. how much you take. But either way, it seems like he st- should have started freaking out earlier. Maybe somebody out there is listening who likes hallucinogenics. Yeah, some kind of an LSD expert let and us can know how this works. Clue us in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we get our first book end quote, which is the Roman philosopher Lucretius said, what is food to one is to others bitter poison. <gasps> How apropos. Yes. Um, so then we uh, have some ex- uh, exposition time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I really love it when they do this because there's no way that everybody on this plane doesn't already know this information. Yeah. And clearly they all do because they all have a little piece to yeah. add in, but they're going to tell us anyway. It's like when they deliver the profile and everybody gets a line to say. Exactly. They're like a little at Greek least, chorus. At least then they're talking to someone else. Like here they're just <laughs> talking to each other about things that they clearly already know. They're talking to us. Um, so they say that there are four types of poisoners. There's the true belief who are political terrorists or religious cults, the extortionists who are product tamperers in it for the money, the prankster who's a younger offender who doesn't really mean any harm, and the avenger who's someone with a personal vendetta who uses poison as a weapon. Mm-hmm. So Gideon suggests looking for patterns in the victimology, but Reed thinks that there might be more clues in the specific type and mode of poison, um, or mode of poisoning, They, which are both valid suggestions, but... Um, since the victims that we know about at this point are a dad and a middle-aged woman and a little girl, it seems like Reed's angle would be more helpful. Like yeah. there doesn't seem to be any There's no common line the here. Yeah. yeah. Um, then we learned that the man from the video was a detective from the Beachwood, New Jersey police department. Um, they're at the hospital room of the comatose boy from the opening. It seems like a conscious victim would be more helpful to investigate. Yeah, but they're all showing up at his bedside. Though. Yeah. It did tug on your heartstrings with his little hand clutching the hospital blanket. Yeah. They zoom in on that. Yeah, but like we don't learn anything about any of the other victims, really. No, like, no, they don't touch on them really at all. Yeah. They ignore the victims completely from here on yeah, out. Yeah, just this one this one guy. Mm-hmm. Um So uh, the dad says that his divorce was because of his ex-wife's infidelity and that he was hurt that his son was upset with him, but he still wouldn't have hurt his son. Um, Reed tells us that there is no evidence of drugs that would have made the victim violent, but that they were all given rohypnol. Um, which L then very helpfully explains what rohypnol is Mm -hmm. because and what it does. Yes. Um, I'm sure that these FBI agents aren't familiar with roofies at all. You know, if you've never heard of it, they're commonly called roofies. Yeah. Shut up, L. (laughs) Like everybody, even your viewers know this. You don't have to explain this. Um, Reed tells us that a common side effect is amnesia. So <gasps> really, thank you for that. I'd never like, heard is that of that the with side roofies. effect, or is I that, that just the purpose? The purpose? <laughs> yeah, it's like being like the side effect of Tylenol is it takes away pain. Like, <laughs> that is what it does. Um, so they're spending a lot of time <laughs> explaining what roofies are, mm-hmm. um, which was super common knowledge in two thousand five, two thousand six. Right. Like I feel like. Uh, in Arrested Development, which was like years earlier than that, like Job had his forget me nows, which yeah. was like a running joke throughout it. And it's yeah. like, clearly people know what they saw. Look, we were in college in 2006. We were aware. We definitely <laughs> knew what roofies were. People you were, were talking about yeah, it. You were never, ever, ever supposed to take your eyes off your drink ever. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so Morgan says there's no pattern to the victims and the drug itself will give us much better leads since a lot of kids are using LSD and Rohypnol these days. Right. Um, these days of 2006. Yeah, I do Isn't not. Isn't that what you were doing in your free time? In college? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because people just take roofies for fun. Yeah. Just like a fun thing yeah. that you do yeah. with your friends. Like you and your buddies get together. Take yeah, your so that you forget the LSD trip? Right? I don't understand. <laughs> Isn't the point of it? So I, I don't know. I mean, um, I would because I'm terrified of LSD, but... Yeah, which is why I'm not going to do either one of those right. things. But like, I feel like like ecstasy and meth were the big drugs at that point. Yeah. Like nobody, when he's like, a lot of kids are doing this. Like, I don't know anybody yeah. who was doing that at that time. No. Like, I don't know. Even, I'd give you Molly, right? People, a lot of people yeah. were doing Molly in the early 2000s. That's it's ecstasy, right? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> That's for a different podcast, Emily. It's I sort don't of, know these it's things. Sort of, it's similar. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, shrooms would have made more sense. Right. I mean, literally anything else. Anything. <sighs> anyway, so the Beachwood Police Department finds out that four of the seven victims had all visited this local cafe and... Um, the worker there uh, points them to an employee named Danny Wallace. L finds his girlfriend and her neck is just covered in bruises. It's she a t- very subtle domestic violence yes. subplot here. Uh, L says she doesn't remember what happened, but the Danny took her somewhere on her motor- his motorcycle and then attacked her. Danny calls and asks who's at the house and tells her not to say anything. And Elle runs out and Elle catches just abandons him. her. Yeah. She's like, uh, call 911. Bye. And yeah. then just leaves. Like, I, we know he's like right outside because how else would he know somebody was there? Yeah. But I feel like if Elle really thought he was such a danger to her that she yeah. wouldn't have just been like, lock the door behind me. Yeah. Luckily he was just really safely and carefully taking a long time to put his helmet on yeah. and before getting on his motorcycle mm-hmm. and driving away. So she has plenty of time to catch him before yeah. he can get out. She um, really slams him into that RV too. Yeah, she does. <laughs> um, so at the police station, Danny says that he and his girlfriend slept together and then she freaked out and attacked him. So they decide she must've been the eighth victim and that the boyfriend working at the cafe was just a coincidence. It's a weird interrogation too. Yeah. They just like immediately assume that he is innocent and telling the truth about everything. Yeah. It's, it's all They're really like, strange. We can tell. They go from being like, it's definitely him. He's guilty. And Elle makes that stupid, like a, uh, this isn't what you thought was going to happen when you skipped school today, huh? You're like, this kid's like 17. You're an adult. But anyway, um, then they're all so sure and like all up in his face. And then he tells a story and they're like, yeah, "Yeah, that adds up. Yeah. Like, wow. The, the detective work here is ace. Yeah. Um, so then Gideon says that the LSD was to make them hallucinate and the roofies were to make them forget how they got dosed. Yeah. Uh, Obviously. <laughs> like that's that's exactly what those two things do. So that's right. why you would give them to someone. Um but uh this leads them to eliminate the prankster profile because the unsub is too organized and there's been no ransom which eliminates the extortionist. Hotch adds that there's no uh, cults or political groups in the area, so it can't be a true believer. Um, they have not investigated this possibility at all. No, nope, they any just way. write it off. But, like it hasn't presented itself to us, so no. Yeah, but I mean, all the other evidence does just <laughs> like jump up and smack them in the face in this episode. So <laughs> I guess it 
follows. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it must be the Avenger, and they're ready to deliver the profile. They sure are. So this unsub is motivated by revenge. There's a randomness of victimology. Random people in an average-sized town means it's a local resident. People who poison for revenge primarily act alone, but he may have manipulated someone close to him to assist him. So Hmm. primarily alone, but maybe not. Yeah. Could be both. Disposes of the accomplice when they're no longer of use to him. Cautious, deliberate, and a highly functioning male between 35 and 50, though they do not specify race. Chose LSD on purpose because it's about altering perception. He feels that he's been inaccurately perceived by the community or a subset of it. These attacks will alter the reality he's caught up in that he perceives to be unjust. He's so self-centered he believes his victims will know the reason for the attack and who did it, and savvy enough to use Brohypnol to obstruct the investigation by erasing the victim's memories. This is where the local detective goes, um, but if he wants, if they'll know who he is, why does he care about covering up his tracks? Um, And Gideon says, these aren't his primary targets, that's why. We it's know from, the test run. This is the test run. We know from precedent that this kind of poisoner, the Avenger, tests his weapons first. This attack was a test run. This isn't the first time he's aired his grievances. And I was like, Seinfeld yeah. reference. <laughs> Not likely that he has a criminal record, but it's possible that he's filed criminal charges against someone else or pursued s- civil action against his perceived adversaries. He's watching to see the results of his test. And years of pent-up rage will be released during his target attack, and lots of people could die. So, uh, shockingly, um, we find out right after the profile has been delivered that there's been a media leak. Um, Mm -hmm. This was definitely not foreshadowed by the plethora of times in the last 17 minutes of the episode that someone has said, boy, I sure hope nobody leaks this to the media. Yeah, from the moment they're on the jet, they're talking about how they can't tell the media. Like, well, it's only a matter of time. (laughs) Uh, So the reporter says that evidence of tainted food has been found at a favorite local restaurant, but she doesn't name the restaurant. And And the whole time Gideon's going, name the restaurant, name the restaurant, name the restaurant. And like the team starts freaking out and the detective is like, what, what's the big deal? What does it matter? (laughs) What could this possibly affect? Yeah. It's like, obviously everybody who's eaten anywhere but their house in the last 24 hours is Mm going to lose their goddamn minds, Yep, which is exactly what happens because- all these calls, like all the phones start, start like lighting up all at the same exact time. Yeah. I wanted there to be a name for this like satanic panic. Like there's some kind of poison panic yeah. taking over the town. Um, but yeah. Very the- music man. Like we've got trouble. <laughs> <laughs> trouble in Beachwood City. Exactly. Um, yeah. So then uh, Morgan and Elle go back to the cafe and JJ and Reed go to the hospital to look into potential poisonings. Um, there's only one that is definitely not psychosomatic. Um, and then we go back to Elle and Morgan and they're at the cafe and realize that the cafe could just be a red herring. And at that point, I noticed that Morgan was drinking coffee that From he the got cafe. in the cafe <laughs> that, that literally too. until the second they thought was the soy- source of all the poisonings. Yeah. I was like, wow, Morgan, you are brave. <laughs> like, how badly did you need caffeine? Really brave or really stupid? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, at least Elle wasn't drinking like, that. what? So like, We're already here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. I was laughing so hard at that. He likes to live dangerously. Um, So Reed and JJ are talking to a doctor 
whose patient is having trouble breathing and speaking and had rohypnol in her system. Elle tells Morgan that at least one of the victims who'd visited the cafe also went to the bank across the street. And that was when I was like, oh my God, I remember exactly what happens in this one now. And well, I was so mad at them at that point because they really did zero investigation beyond the cafe. Yeah. Like it took them that long to think that they might've all been somewhere else nearby. Yeah. And it's like a little like- Even the ones who were at the cafe were only part- of all of the ones who had been dosed? Yeah, it's may not, not like every found. person who went through the cafe got really sick. Right. And it was not like a, it didn't look like a restaurant really, just like a coffee shop. Yeah. So it's like if you're poisoning something in a coffee shop, like almost everybody who goes like there is going to get sick. if it's the creamer sick, right? or something, yeah, it's going to be a huge percentage of people. Yeah. So yes, I did not understand why it would take them this long to look literally across the street. Yeah. For other clues. Um, But they look at the security footage and they see the man from the opening taking candy from the jar. Mm -hmm. Um, The woman who is in the hospital tries to speak with JJ. Um, She, like, can't really talk and she just keeps saying, like, the end, the end. Um, They see that she may have been the person who replaced the candy Mm -hmm. at the bank. Like, she's, like you know, reaching into the bowl and looks like she's dropping candies in Mm -hmm. um, just as the woman crashes. And... Uh, we also see a suspicious-looking guy wearing a delivery uniform, and he's entering a pharmacy. Mike from Reggie's Rentals. Yes, <laughs> he's super suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, he is going into like a pharmaceutical company's office. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're looking into the bank candy, um, and the team ponders how Lynn, who's the now dead woman, could be the unsub because she does not fit the profile mm-hmm. and doesn't have any expertise regarding chemicals. Um, yeah. But it turns out that she died from botulism poisoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they suspect that she may have been an accomplice, like the accomplice they mentioned earlier. Wow. Uh, they also tell us that botulism isn't particularly hard to come by if you're a chemist or a lab assistant. And she worked for a prominent pharmacist. pharmaceutical company Mm -hmm. and Morgan has Garcia look for disgruntled ex-employees. Yeah. Which turns out there's a ton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Elle goes to speak with another employee who says that Lynn was kind of awkward, but not really disliked. Uh, Garcia finds a chemist who is rejected for a patent that was then stolen by Hitchcock pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. and sends the team out to his location um, the BAU and the local PD staged this full-scale raid. Yeah, what a SWAT response this yeah. is. It's it, crazy. Yeah, because they have no reason to think that he's, like, armed, right. really. Like, I mean, he's poisoning people. And it's not like he's using, like, Botul- like anthrax botulinum, or something. Right, botulinum toxin is like a liquid, right? Yeah, like, I think you would have to ingest it in some way. So right, as long it's as not they're like not- a powder you can just, like, throw exactly. in your face or something. Yeah, it was just, it was just, this episode has just been really generally dull, and then they just, like, the SWAT raid out of nowhere. Yes, literally right before this, I wrote, something about this episode is really low stakes and slow pace for some reason. And then, what a SWAT response <laughs> that was. <laughs> just, what is happening um, I also liked when they were talking to the like receptionist or whatever at the pharmaceutical yeah. company that she said that Lynn just um, was awkward because she made so many self-deprecating jokes about herself and if she hadn't, more people might have liked her. I was like, I'm doomed. Yeah. <laughs> like personal attacks yeah. from criminal minds. If that is the indicator, maybe I'm an unsub and I don't yeah. even know what I've done yet. 
like hurtful words, Debbie from yeah. HR. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the SWAT response was especially uh, unnecessary because this guy is very easily <laughs> apprehended. He's just standing, looking through his his blinds yeah. out the window, like bewildered, yeah, like somebody's grandpa. I feel like they could have just like sent Reed in, and he could have just been like, "Excuse me, sir, will you please come with me?" And he would have been like, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but once he's uh, being interrogated, he just launches into a tirade against the company. Um, and he's they, so gross and sweaty the whole time, too. Yeah. It was distracting. Yeah. Um, L and Morgan um, go, because uh, he like is talking about how he's like, you know, going after this company and they're having this dinner party or something. I wasn't really clear on what was going yeah, on. Some kind of department heads thing. Yeah. Um, but... L and Morgan go to this dinner to stop everyone from eating because they're afraid that he has um, poisoned the food or whatever yeah, or the there. punch or something. But which is weird because, okay, if he's the guy that we saw, Mike, from Reggie's Rentals, how long ago did he drop all that stuff off? Is somebody dropping pre-made punch off at this place? I, I wasn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it what was, was very he, strange. Yeah. Did he, like, put it in the punch bowl? I don't know. Right, was it just like on the punch bowl and then they filled the bowl? Yeah. I was I don't really know. confused because that had seemed like hours beforehand. Yeah. I don't know. It was I thought it was weird. I thought it was very anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, but we learned that the punch was dosed with botulism, but that everybody got the antitoxin in time, so they were fine. Mm-hmm. Um so then Reed announces to Gideon and Hotch that one of the people who was originally dosed, um, one of these other victims that they never look into or find out, right. we never find anything out about them, uh, was severely diabetic, so he wouldn't have been eating the candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he uh, suspects that she had also dosed the deposit envelopes. Which was, should have been very evident on the first viewing of this security Yeah, tape. they were like, oh, see where she's like putting her hand in the candy bowl? She's also touching all the deposit envelopes. Yeah. So clearly she's like swapping some out um and then uh so they were just testing the delivery system before they were really going to poison everybody Mm -hmm. um so they glance over at the interrogation room and realize that the sweaty sweaty unsub uh has also poisoned himself because he's dying uh and he has a stupid tongue sticking out like a freaking cartoon character i hate it so much it was so dumb but yeah, he dies very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morgan calls to tell everybody that none of the employees at this dinner thing were upper management. All of those people are away on a corporate retreat and conveniently cannot be reached by cell phone mm-hmm. because they're all out in the woods with no cell phones this allowed. This retreat was killing me when yeah. they flash over Oh my there. God. It's oh so, yeah. So like, first of all, like that's not how corporate retreats work, especially right. with a huge pharmaceutical company. That's yeah. like, it's like an episode of The Office. Yeah, where yeah. they all bond. <laughs> yeah, so they're all wearing Hitchcock pharmaceuticals, like crew neck sweatshirts. It's all these old white men. Yeah, like a bunch of dads out yeah. on a camping trip. But it's like they're also in New Jersey. Yeah. Like, where are you in they New Jersey that, that you're far so from far anywhere. out that like yeah, they're like acting like they're like out hiking the Appalachian Trail right. or like out in the Rockies or they're just something. like in a pavilion with some picnic. Like tables. that is absolutely not where they would be. They would be at like you know, like a, a ski resort yeah. slash golf course yes. where they like go and like, you know, do all of these stupid team building exercises. But they're literally out there. 
Yeah, the guy just, in charge is talking about last year's fiasco for, about voting. Like, what was last year's fiasco? Yeah. I don't know, but it necessitates them using envelopes yeah. this year. They're all like, no cheating, Dave. And yeah. they all look at this one guy and he's wearing this like fishing hat. And he's like, oh, you got me. Oh, God. They say to the one guy, shut up and lick it, Bob. <laughs> I was like, what's happening Ew. out here? This ridiculous bunch of old white white dudes yeah. oh my god they're like okay bob tom brandy phil like <laughs> who are all the rest of these guys <laughs> oh my god uh so yeah they're um going to vote for their new team leader which involves them putting their votes into these sealed envelopes and we get like long drawn out shots of every individual licking these envelopes <laughs> and it's just uncomfortable to watch um, so they they have to locate this retreat by sending out a helicopter to fly out over the woods to find okay, these nobody people. Nobody know where they went to. Like they just parked their cars and walked off into the woods as a group. Yeah. Like even if you're going like backpacking or something, like yeah. you can't just walk out into the woods. No. Like you have to try like file for like trail permits yeah. and like backcountry permits and stuff. And you know that those guys were not like packing all their stuff in and like no. going on like Though know, they a were, five day sojourn. They <laughs> were carrying pretty hefty backpacking gear through the office earlier yeah. in the episode. Yeah. It was really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um like, so, sir, this is a parking lot. Yeah. Luckily, everybody arrives just in time uh, to administer the antitoxin to mm-hmm. them because they're all like in real bad shape by yeah. the time they yeah. get there. Um, so then we get our second quote, which is, Confucius warned us before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. Mm. Uh, we only needed one for this episode, though, That's because, true, because it was because- just the unstop. <laughs> no, his oh, no, accomplice. Lynn. Yes, I forgot about Lynn, the accomplice. To, but I mean, that quote implies that, you know, for you and your enemy. Yeah. The um, enemies are all fine. The enemies survive. Yeah. And then it's like, but they were like the jerks that stole his patent. Right. <laughs> like, they they are the bad guys too. Yeah. Can yes. we count them all as unsubs? It's like 26 <laughs> more old white men to add. It was all very murky in this yeah. episode. Um, so then Hotch and JJ are chatting on the plane while she's looking over new case files. Hotch says that he gets tired of prosecuting cases after, or got tired of, uh, prosecuting all the cases after the fact and he wanted to stop bad things from happening Mm -hmm. and jj puts everything into a manila envelope and then goes to like lick it to close it and then doesn't (laughs) and just closes it and uses the little like metal thingy which is what normal people do anyway yeah licking their envelopes closed but yeah um this was the first time we got like a deep dive into hotch's lawyer backstory right yeah because so i was thinking about this because uh Thomas Gibson, you know, was also famously on Dharma and Greg, and Greg is a lawyer. Yes. So in my mind, this ties the two universes together. Yes. Where he just assumes a new identity and joins the BAU as Aaron Hotchner, but really he's still Greg yeah, from Dharma and Greg. because he just really wants to get away from Dharma. Yeah. She's so annoying. Yes, exactly. Um, I also maybe, well, I was confused at the end because like Elle's getting all comfy on the jet and stuff, but they're just going from New Jersey to DC, right? Mm-hmm. That can't be very long on a plane in particular. It's not very long in a car. I wouldn't think so. It's like a 25 minute plane ride. <laughs> right? Like this can't be, I should have looked this up. I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. Um, but it, it just bothered me. That everyone was getting so cozy. They were all like dead asleep. 
Yeah. Like they'd been on there for hours. Yeah. So um, Gideon and Reed were also completely passed out. Yeah. Like they had a long, hard day and like, no, you're just going from New Jersey to DC. Yeah. And you did very little. <laughs> There's right. no re- oh, I guess that, you know, maybe that SWAT raid really took it out of them. So this is a three and a half hour car ride. <laughs> that seems right. Yeah. On a plane, this has to be like 20 minutes. Yeah. Especially in a private jet. Right. Like you're not waiting on the runway or anything. Yeah. There's like, no like just waiting around in the airport time. Yeah. I, I, that annoyed me at the end after an already annoying episode. Yeah. But what saved it were all the many Seinfeld references because they air their grievances and then the licking the envelope. That's yeah. how George's fiance dies. Um, from the poison envelopes. Yeah. So somebody had a they had a Seinfeld fan in the writers' room. Yeah, because those were like ten years earlier. Those episodes came out, so I really wanted to believe that all of that was on purpose. Yeah. Um. So before we go over the profile, um, mm-hmm. there, this just reminded me of a true crime case. Oh, okay. Um. Do you know anything about the Rajneeshi cult? In Oregon? Yes. <laughs> I watched, there's a documentary on Netflix. Yeah, what's it, like Wild Country? Wild, Wild Country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild, Wild Country. Um, so it was this cult that formed in the 70s under the leadership of this, um, like, spiritual guru named Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, which I'm sure I'm just butchering that pronunciation. <laughs> Sounded fine to me. Um, but uh, his beliefs were essentially just, like, consumerism and sexual freedom with, like, a thin layer of Hinduism Mm -hmm. over the top of that. Enough to lure the white people in. Yes, exactly. Um, They only wore orange and red and wooden beads with the leader's face on them. Mm -hmm. And the leader was like obsessed with collecting Rolls Royces. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't worried about his own consumerism. (laughs) No. Um, And he had this second command, like crazy lady named Ma Anand Sheila. She was like the brains of uh, their, like behind their shenanigans really. Um, so in 1980, they bought all this ranch land in Oregon and they were claiming to want to build this eco-friendly commune with like 150 residents and got approved for that. Uh, but really their intention was to just build their own city mm-hmm. and had like 2000 people living on this land. Um, so then they ran into all of these issues with building codes and permits and zoning laws and lots of oppositions from the locals who did not want a city built in the middle of this ranch land. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when they weren't able to bribe or charm people into letting them have their way, they decided to try to gain political control through local elections. I think it was like the county commissioner or something yeah. that they had somebody running for. Um, but not enough people were wanting to vote for them. So they, um, in 1984, they poisoned salad bars at 10 different restaurants <laughs> with salmonella um, so that their uh, uh, candidate would win because they wanted to just like incapacitate the entire like voting population. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up getting like 751 people sick and like 45 were hospitalized. I don't think they actually managed to kill anyone, mm. but yeah, that was like the largest bioterror attack. I in forgot US all about that. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good documentary. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. But yeah, the, like when I was watching it, it was like, why does some of this? And I was like, Oh, right. There's crazy people in Oregon. <laughs> If only this episode had been more like that, it might have been more interesting. It might have been. Yeah. Low stakes. That's all I can say about this one. Yeah. It was another one where you're like, is no one not, like, isn't anyone concerned? Yeah. And like, honestly, like, 
I mean, their profile was like spot on to the point where it was like the writers like made up this profile and then wrote a plot line to like, yeah, check all of the boxes. Mm -hmm. But like the BAU didn't need to be there. No, there was nothing. They didn't really do anything. There was nothing that the local matter. And like, why would they even get called in? And they claimed the CDC called them in. That the locals had called the CDC and the CDC had contacted the BAU? Yeah. That doesn't seem like a chain of command that works in the real world. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, they could have just, like, come up with that profile, which they clearly just had, like, right on tap and just emailed it to them. Right. There was no reason that they needed to be there. Yeah. At all. There was really no police work even done. (laughs) No. No, they did zero police work. They just kind of waited around for someone to present themselves. Yeah. But yeah, I just feel like it's kind of a kind of a one. They didn't. I mean, the profile was good. The, the profile. I mean, as far as but like accuracy, helpfulness, and plausibility, it's all spot on. Yeah. But they didn't do anything. But yeah, if I'm scoring the profile on its yeah, own, the, I'd give it like an eight or a nine. Yeah, but like the, the BA, episode is the like BAU's a one. efforts really, aside from that profile, were pointless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did nothing. Um. But as far as our uh, Hotch Watch goes, I mean, we got a ton of backstory on him yeah. this week. So I it's guess he's still a, a 10. Yeah. It's like the, the many layers of Hotch. You would never know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he gave us a little hint when he was in the last episode. Or was it the last? Yeah, the kidnapping one yeah. where he was all like, I know all about evidentiary procedure. Right. And you're like, no, you don't. You don't, though. <laughs> yeah. I do, maybe, but you don't. <laughs> Um, but he's, yeah, so it was nice to get, you know, a little more though, you know, he had that baby and they never talk about it ever again. That seems weird to me, but it really does. Like, I mean, right? like I not realize, even like casually in conversation with your coworkers, like yeah, I realize you reveal babies, things about your life. Yeah. Babies don't really do anything, but like, but I, I would imagine when you have a new one time, that you talk yeah, about it all the time. parent, then you're just like super pumped about everything your baby does. Right. Like you're like, I oh, spit up on me today. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where like everybody else that works with you is like, please stop. <laughs> because I feel like later on, we see other members of the team expanding their lives in a similar way. And it's brought up constantly. Like they're tired and they're this and they're that. It's all because of that new baby at home. Yeah. And they, well, and I wonder if it's because later on it's, it's JJ. So yes. she's a mom. Ugh. So like, you know, you have to like, there has to be this big drama with like a working mother but yeah. like the working father is just never mention it again yeah i find it very annoying it is weird I'm, yeah i've been waiting for them to just bring jack up yeah in some I, way i will have to go back because i can't remember which episode it is that they introduced jack to the team and then it was count out. it was the one the fox remember that's right yeah that was the one where they bring the baby in yeah so what was that like eight Something like that. The yeah, Fox, seven. The Vox was seven. Seven. So they've gone five episodes now, or four episodes now. Yeah. Without any mention no, whatsoever. Six. This is, we're on episode 13. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we are. That was six. I just <laughs> had to count it out. There's, that I was saw six. you using your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that was six episodes ago. That's absurd. Yeah. So this has been weeks and weeks, months. Something. A significant portion of time. Yeah. It's really hard to tell how fast time passes yeah. in this show. We wouldn't know because we haven't seen the baby age. So That's that true. would be a good way to keep track. He's going to show up again. He's going to be like three and a half years old. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to be so annoyed. Yeah. Now I'm watching for it. I'm not going to forget. Yeah. Uh, but the next episode's pretty exciting. 
Yeah. I know you've been looking forward to rewatching this I for do, a while. I do remember really liking this one a lot. I hope, have you rewatched it yet? I haven't. No, I'm, I'm just. Ho- I'm. I'm afraid for you that you're gonna rewatch and be like, "This isn't how I remember." I'm be like, it. "Oh, this is bad." Yeah, <laughs> that's what most of these episodes are. <laughs> I love this. Oh wait, this was bad. Uh, there, there have been some really good ones in there. No, they're half. Yeah. They're half, and we're you know about halfway through the first season now. Yeah, I know. There's several coming up that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Um. What are our statistics? So. We are we now. We have another white man. We have another white man. Are we counting the accomplice? Oh, I wasn't. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't think that they count her as the unsub. Yeah, they they, count it her doesn't as an seem. Accomplice. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they do. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I didn't count it. I okay. didn't count her. I only counted him, which makes us thirteen to one white men, ninety three seven. Yeah. I feel like pretty soon we're going to be like as close to like 199 as we can be. Um, But maybe they'll throw us for a loop soon. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll have to see how we, how we break it down with this next one. Yeah. But well, thank you again to our thousands of listens. (laughs) Be sure to leave us. I just want to say thousands of listeners. No, that's not how it works. (laughs) No, not quite. But. (laughs) But I still like to say it. Uh, Wherever you listen, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. You can find us on Instagram at The Unsub is a White Man. Our theme music is written and performed by Nate Youngblood, and the podcast is produced by Nate Youngblood. Thanks, Nate. And you can find us next week, but definitely not inside a bank, because we'll never be going into one again. 